Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Washington, D.C. Acknowledge me. Chris Russell on the Team 980. I'm not trying to be a jerk. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Nice to have you with us. We are coming to you live from here in command land in Ashburn, Virginia, for a third week in a row. How about this, huh? Oof, man, you know things have changed when uh, <laughs> when that's the case, right? Um, why were we here? Well, uh, the assistant coach is going to meet with the media uh, at 3 o'clock uh, over in the athletic bubble. And the practice bubble. So we are going to run over there, hopefully not fall, not trip over ourselves, not trip over the 10-yard line, uh, trying to race to somebody that is available for us uh, while we play a recorded interview uh, here on the show. I'm uh, up on Mountain Dew! Well, not yet. Not yet. I am jacked up on coffee. Got my Dunkin' Donuts. Got the old uh, 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 Dunkings, whatever uh, they're calling it. Uh, the um, the hazelnut heartthrob uh, coffee that I beep seem beep. to be uh, liking and getting. No Windbag Wednesday today. Nope. Linnell is too busy. He told me yesterday that he cannot join us uh, what? today. Right. That was my reaction. He said no Windbag Wednesday. Uh, people are going to have to tune in at 6 30 tonight over on the fan in order to hear his weird wild and wacky thoughts uh so he is not with us on this wednesday as well i'm coming to you solo again flying solo uh from here in ashburn virginia uh but we will work in plenty of the usual stuff and again uh we will have a uh hopefully a special guest uh, joining us in the three o'clock hour uh, one of the assistant coaches. We don't know who yet. It kind of depends on who is going to be available at the time uh, that we run over there uh, and do business. So just stay tuned for that. Of course, this is, you know, some people are calling it an all-star coaching staff. Some people are, you know, calling it 
a great coaching staff. I, I think it's a good coaching staff. Um, I, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. I'm everything. I, I, you know what I think about Dan Quinn. I, I have not backed down one one ounce from that. We'll start there. I think everything else is good to very good. Uh, we will see what kind of impact it has and how long it takes to truly make uh, an impact because sometimes you can take over a bad team and turn it right around like D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans did with C.J. Stroud, Granite, and Bobby Slowick and, you know, so on and so forth. And they had a couple of pieces there, but, you know, Anderson was added as the third pick, C.J. Stroud the second pick, then they win 10 games, then they win, you know, a road Saturday night game to get in the playoffs, then they win a playoff game, uh, and they keep it kind of tight with the Baltimore Ravens on the road for the first half. Sometimes you can do that. Sometimes it takes longer than that. And if it takes longer than that, say this team is, a, I don't know, a 6-7 win team, nobody should be out on Dan Quinn after one year, for God's sakes. I mean, it is probably going to take more than one year to turn this around into a contender. What is a contender? Well, a contender is not six wins. A contender is, you know, a team that has eight wins going into the final week of the season. Eight weeks going into the fi- eight wins going into the final two weeks of the season. Can you get to nine? Can you get to ten? Can you have more than eight wins with two weeks left to go in the season? Can you win a home game against the Cowboys to wrap up the year? Because that seems to be the NFL thing, or at least they've done it the last two years, and get into the playoffs to secure a division title. Who knows? All of these questions are on the table. Now, I would not have the expectation that they're going to do what Houston did in a one-year turnaround. You can hope for that. You can desire that. You can aim for it, but I would not expect that. That doesn't happen every year. As a matter of fact, as we mentioned, when Houston was going into the playoffs, we said C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans were the first ever rookie head coach, rookie quarterback to ever win their division in NFL history, or I, I should say in the Super Bowl era. So that's how you know few and far between sometimes turnarounds happen now. Dan Quinn is not a rookie head coach, which was part of the reason why I obviously advocated for Dan Quinn's hire. And we assume the number two pick is going to be a quarterback. We don't know if that quarterback is going to be healthy, play well. Who knows? We don't even know if that's the pick that they're going to make. Right? Because all sorts of things can happen. I mean, injuries obviously won. And amongst them, I mean, you look at Anthony Richardson last year was the number four overall pick for the Indianapolis Colts. Started off the year, house on fire, got injured once, came back, got injured again, never saw him again. He was out for the season, and the Colts still made it to a home playoff game final week of the season with a chance to make the playoffs in Shane Steichen's first year. Again, turnarounds don't always happen the same way. Um, So let's hope that this coaching staff that they have assembled here, the resources that they have to use in free agency, and the resources that they have in the draft, five in the top 100, at least for now, six in the top 104, at least for now, that they cash some of those chips in, and that this is a Houston-like turnaround as opposed to a, uh, well, I mean, obviously Carolina never turned around, but... um, let's use, I don't know, Atlanta, where they had a bunch of 
really good draft picks and drafted a bunch of fancy-schmancy players, and nobody did anything. They just didn't win, right? Whether it was because of the quarterback or not, yeah, that was a big part of it, but they just didn't win. So lots of things can happen in the wash that it might take us until year two, year three, to truly see the turnaround. And maybe it never comes. And then, obviously, they'll have to make a decision from there. We will see. All right, so we, uh, again, they're, they're having this little, um, you know, th- this little get-together, uh, I guess, for the rest of the coaching staff. Because we heard from Joe Witt Jr. and Cliff Kingsbury last week. Obviously, Dan Quinn uh, has made the rounds here on the radio station to all three shows. So you've heard from him. If you missed any of that, uh, you can go back, check it out uh, on the Odyssey app uh, or at uh, the Team 980 Dot com. Before we get into the rest of the commander story and NFL free agency, because that's really what I, where I wanted to start, I wanted to uh, point out kudos to the Caps last night for the 6-2 win over the New Jersey Devils. Uh, and they kind of pulled away in, in the game. They got off to a great start, Connor McMichael, the early goal. So you knew, you knew it was, you know, probably, it, it, it would, not that it was a win right off the bat, but you knew it was at least going to be a night where they had a chance. And chance, they did that and then some. Uh, they ultimately, again, pull away uh, from the Josh Harris owned New Jersey Devils, 6-2. McMichael with two goals on the night. Alex Ovechkin with two goals uh, on the night. And the Capitals have now strung together two wins in a row. Um, they And more importantly, they beat a... A, a contending team, right? Uh, Montreal Saturday night on the road, good. Uh, without Ovechkin scoring. Last night, even though it's at home, I think it's a little bit better. I think it's a little bit better. And the Devils outplayed them by and large. 39 shots on goal to 26. I mean, that's a pretty significant advantage. They won 62% of their faceoffs. But the Caps penalty kill was good. Uh, you know, uh, they got on the board early. They pounded the Devils into submission late. They were competitive all throughout. They weren't sloppy with the puck. Again, they got the early goal, gave up the lead. Then McMichael strikes back again and gives them a 2-1 to one lead. And it's the Connor McMichael show. And now he's in double digits. And then Strom gives them the 3-1 to one lead. And then Ovechkin starts the party uh, from there and scores the fourth goal to give them a 4-1 lead. And then, of course, Ovechkin uh, scores the uh, the uh, power play goal late uh, in the game with about 33 seconds left just to put the icing on the cake. But, hey, we'll take it. We'll take it because we need it. And the Capitals right now, again, after that long stretch where Ovechkin was scoring goals and they had one win, a road shutout win against the Boston Bruins, which was impressive, but only one win. They will take wins against anyone and everyone, and they should, and they need it. And again, these teams aren't world beaters like they were facing during that stretch. They're not. The Devils, 28-23, and 23, 60 points. Uh, that's 
clearly better than the Capitals, but only two points now better than the Capitals. The Capitals, again, desperately needed this win. The Islanders got a win in overtime after blowing another one late in the third period in Pittsburgh uh, last night. So they stay two points ahead of the Capitals. The Penguins are two points behind the Capitals. So, again, this was a monster win against a contending team, one that is slightly better than you, even at home, in which you finally got, I mean, you got everything working. You got five-on-five working. My goodness. They were like 30th in the NHL going into last night at five-on-five scoring. And they got the early ones, again, from McMichael, um, you know, that were all five-on-five. Dylan Strom, the same thing. And Ovechkin's first goal in which he had that little drag off the face-off and off the face-off circle. And really, they only scored on the power play late with Ovechkin second. You will hear that coming up later on in the show. Something tells me that will be a part of the show. So, again, kudos to the Capitals. They win 6-2. Much-needed win. Huge win. Now you got to go to Tampa. Please come up with a road win against a really good team. And that will tell me, okay... Maybe I don't have to do significant things at the trade deadline to break this team apart if you're Brian McClellan. String together a four, it's, it's allowed. It's legal. And we talk about coaching staffs here with the Washington Commanders, right? There was so much hope and so much optimism for Spencer Carberry and his staff to come aboard. And, you know, I would say it's been an uneven ride so far, but I'm not giving up on that crew. I'm not giving up on the direction of the Capitals, even though it's not overly pretty right now, it's been a little bit of a bumpy, uh, a lot of bit of a bumpy ride, but it's not over. And I, yes, I would like them to make the playoffs. I, I know there are people that, you know, uh, that hate mediocrity, that hate, you know, playing for, the eighth seed or the seventh seed, because what's going to – wait a second. Did the Florida Panthers – Matt, I, I know you're not a huge hockey guy, but the Florida Panthers, didn't they beat the Boston Bruins, who were the president's trophy-winning team and had like 115 points or whatever they had last year? And Boston was uh, – Florida, I think, was the eighth seed, and Florida was expected uh, to lose and get swept and whatnot. And didn't Florida not only beat Boston, but then they went on to get to the Stanley Cup final? Oh, wait a second. That's right. That That is what happened. Yeah, that is what happened. Okay, I forgot. And and, and now you look and say Florida's one point in the lead in the Eastern Conference, right? Again, the Capitals have work to do before they're even in the postseason dance and even in the equation, right? But right now, they are the 11th seed. And again, two points behind the Islanders, the Devils, who are 10 and 9, and six points a significant cushion behind the Detroit Red Wings. So we will see how things shake out. Tampa, who's the opponent on Thursday night, again, down in Tampa, is just one point ahead of Detroit. So, again, this would represent if they could find a way to win, and Tampa comes in on a two-game losing streak, if they could find a way to win, meaning the Capitals, you get the two points, and hopefully the Islanders and the Devils stay at that number or lose or whatever. And then there's a three-way tie, essentially, essentially for that 
one playoff spot right outside the big dance. And then you have to hope that you can, again, continue to build and build and catch fire and so on and so forth. Uh, and I mean, it's it's kind of a thing that D.C. loves to do. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you're in, in, in two thousand eighteen is what you're talking about. Yeah, they, and that yeah. with the Lightning, where the yeah. President's Cup, that right. they were absurdly good, right. and everyone was like, "Oh yeah, no, it's it's a done deal." Well, Cops I remember in twenty eighteen again, they had not been able to get past the second round, had not been able to get past the Penguins, right? Who yeah. were two time defending champions, and they lost four or five free agents, including their top, arguably their top defender in Carl Alsner, going into that year, and yet nobody gave them a chance. And they almost fired Barry Trotz on a West Coast road trip, or uh, I think it was Denver and Nashville. Oh, that was a write-off year. Yeah, right, exactly. And then they, you know, turned around, got hot enough to get them into the playoffs. Then they were down two games to none at Capital One Arena to Columbus, losing both games in overtime and blowing two goal leads in each. And everybody thought, oh, they're going to get swept. They're going to Columbus, and then, boom, the party started. Lars Eller with a double overtime goal, uh, and then they won game four, and then they came back and won game five and swept the Columbus Blue Jackets straight out after going down 2-0 in that series, after going uh, from whoever the, uh, uh, the the backup goaltender was, and the name is slipping my mind, um, uh, to uh, back to Braden Holpe midway through game two of that Columbus series, and then they never looked back and obviously won. Uh, the Stanley Cup. So you never, ever, 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 ever know how these things are going to play out. But I wanted to spend a couple of minutes on the Capitals because it's not football season, even though it's always football season. The Capitals deserve uh, a little bit of shine, and they deserve our attention, and I wanted to make sure that we put their uh, the attention, if you will, uh, right out of the gates here uh, on a Wednesday afternoon. Again, we're coming to you live from Commander's Headquarters in Ashburn, Virginia. When we return, we're going to get deep into there's a top 150 list and a top 200 list for free agency. Uh, one, the Athletic put out. One, Pro Football Focus put out. So I want to kind of take a look at both. And I want to discuss what the possibilities are with the commanders having somewhere around, let's call it 75 to 82, $83 million, because nobody knows the exact number except the NFL Management Council. And they could create a whole bunch more by whacking guys like Charles Leno, maybe even Andrew Wiley, Andrew Tom, uh, Andrew Thomas, Logan Thomas so on and so forth. Uh, they have their own free agents. So I want to take a look at both lists, and I want to get from you what free agent that's out out there that's reasonable to spend money on. And there are a lot of guys that are reasonable to spend money on that is at a somewhat need position or a desperate need position. I want to get from you the free agent target of your dreams. Again, that might not match up with what they can afford to do or what they need to do. There are certain guys I'd love to have, but I want to get from you the the apple of your eye, if you will. So we'll go down these lists, right, that are compiled by experts. One, again, in the athletic, former GM Randy Mueller, and, of course, the guys from Pro Football Focus 
uh, who do this stuff on a snap-by-snap, game-by-game, player-by-player basis. And we'll talk about what they have and what you want at 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. Just getting rocking and rolling here on a Wednesday afternoon, last show of the week for me. I'm off to Canton, Ohio, Pro Football Hall of Fame city. Uh, to uh, be with uh, my uh, my young adults and to take care uh, of my son. So Linnell will be in for me the rest of the week after uh, this week. But we come to you from Commander's Headquarters on this Wednesday on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980 is your number to call on the Ace Law listener lines. And a wreck, Ace Law will help you get a check. Call them at 8888-ACE-LAW. So I want to dive right into this in terms of the rankings for free agency. So much talk has been about who the commanders will take at quarterback at number two, provided that they take quarterback. We had um, the little bit of a wacky scenario that was presented by uh, the NFL Draft site, which is indeed affiliated with the NFL and NFL.com and what have you. One of their writers proposing the commanders to move up one spot with K- uh, with the Bears uh, would pay the two second-round picks, 36 and 40, one of which they got from the Bears, for Montez Sweat, plus a late third-round compensatory pick. And I was shocked, shocked at how many fans – in response to my tweets and what Lou DiPietro put up uh, at the team980.com. And if you missed it, you can head there now. And Maddie's got it all podcast and carved up for you. I was shocked how much no, no was the word from Commanders fans across the board. Not everyone, but almost, I would say, 95-plus percent that they would not consider or want that trade. I, I was I was floored by that because I thought you guys would be much more in than I was anticipating. 
And we will talk about the draft, obviously, ad nauseum. We already have. But there are two different ways you can improve your team. Maybe there's only one way at quarterback. Although my guy Eddie in Centerville desperately wants me to talk about Kirk Cousins potentially coming here. Uh, and, you know, for good reason. I, I mean, I, I think that would be fascinating. I don't think it would be the, I, I don't think it would be the best football decision, if I'm being honest with you. Even though I love Kirk. And even though I would love to see it, and it would be great for the radio and all of that stuff, I don't think that that's really a realistic scenario. I I can't rule it out, Kirky. I would love to have you back so you could do more things like that in press conferences. Um, Salute to you, man. But, you know, at 35, 36... Cue the fool said it already sold money that he probably still wants, even though he says it's not about the money. I don't know if that's the right decision and the right direction. Right. So I started to think, all right, if quarterback is largely out from a starting quarterback perspective in free agency, then you know what's not out is who's going to be the Jacoby Brissett. And the reason why I ask that is because Jacoby Prissett's a free agent. It's unlikely that he wants to be back here knowing that in all likelihood they're going to draft a quarterback at number two and still have Sam Howell on the roster. So essentially, you're battling for the number three spot. So for Rick Snyder over at Command Post Magazine, This weekend, I had to do our free agency capsules. And, of course, you talk about Kirk Cousins, right? Of course. But, really, what this team needs in free agency, from a quarterback perspective, is a veteran backup who is possibly willing to be the number three and more be a coach mentor to not only the – presumed number two pick, but also to Sam Howell and realize that, hey, you might get, I don't know, five, six, seven million dollars, whatever it might be on a one year deal, essentially to be a coach slash player, even though they have Tavita Pritchard, even though they have Brian Johnson, even though they have Cliff Kingsbury on the offensive staff to be coaches, coaches, of course, a lot of times, players respond better to their contemporaries. So it might not be a bad thing to have a veteran quarterback in here that can be a coach-slash-player, a mentor. And here's why it's un- uh, it's important. Because you can no longer say, once you used to be able to say, man, if we get to the backup quarterback, we are screwed. Now... If you don't get to, in a lot of cases, playoff teams, playoff teams go through multiple, multiple quarterbacks, right? Who was it this year? That uh, The Cleveland Browns. I mean, Joe Flacco was quarterback number four. Joe Flacco. Joe freaking Flacco, who, by the way, is a free agent. And yet they made the playoffs Won, what was it, 11 games? 
Now they got blown out in the playoffs. Granted, defense didn't play well that day. Got it. But they made the playoffs on quarterback number four. So this notion and this nonsense that you don't need a good third quarterback is absurd. Absurd. And I've been screaming about this for years. People thought I was off my rocker. Now I was wrong about the player. Nate Sudfeld never turned in. But, you know, but he's bounced around the league for six, seven years, whatever it is. You know, again, it, it the point was when I was making that argument, yes, a third quarterback is important because they get hurt all the time, all the time. And if you draft Jaden Daniels, what's the chances he's going to make it through a 17-game season healthy? I mean, have you watched the cut-ups? Have you watched the clips? It's like a car wreck every time he takes off running. What makes us think that he's going to hold up for 17 games? And we already know Sam Howell can, but he takes a lot of shots. And you might not want Sam Howell to be your quarterback for a long stretch if he doesn't significantly improve from last year. So this team does need a third quarterback, and it needs a third veteran quarterback that has experience in the league, is more of a coach-player mentor type, but can also play if need be. And there are a couple of guys that are out there, like Mitchell Trubisky, or how about Sam Darnold? Or how about, dare I say, Carson Wentz, Commander Carson, or Joe Flacco? And there are others. And that's where we start the free agency parade. Is that's not the most important position that they have to fill, but that is a much, much, much more important position than five years ago or seven years ago or ten years ago. I or anyone would have thought. You need three good quarterbacks now, and that might not even be enough. I tell you this. I wasn't a big fan of him coming out of USC. He flopped with the Jets. But Sam Darnold, as a third-string quarterback and somebody to push, whoever the number two is, presuming, and Sam Howell would not be the worst plan in the world. I don't know if Trubisky would fit that role because I think Trubisky thinks he's better than that. I don't know where Sam Darnold is mentally. But remember, Adam Peters was in San Francisco, and part of the decision to sign him was, at least Adam Peters was involved in that decision. Okay? I don't think Jacoby Brissett is coming here, back. I think they need something more than Jake Fromm, Sam Howell, and whoever the number two is. Brandon Allen is another name, the former Arkansas quarterback who's bounced around. I don't think it's going to be Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill or whoever. What about you? We'll start there. We'll get into, again, the top 150 list and other lists and see what we can get in terms of coming here to Washington, whether it's reasonable or not. So much talk about the draft. Don't forget, free agency starts in two weeks. The combine is next week. Free agency is not far away, boys and girls. It is coming. 301-230-0980. Let's do a quick trending alert right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app live from Commander's Headquarters in Ashburn, Virginia. And then we'll come back and take your calls.
All right, so as we mentioned, the Capitals with a big win last night. They're off until tomorrow night in Tampa. Meanwhile, Maryland basketball with a tough loss last night in College Park. Uh, so that's a couple in a row for them. Uh, also, uh, around the world of sports, how about this? The NFL might be looking into what Antonio Pierce said on a recent interview about the Mahomes rules uh and he was talking about obviously how to kind of counter patrick mahomes by being physical and said quote we've got the jordan rules and what i'm calling from now on as long as i'm here the patrick mahomes rules he says so you remember when jordan was going through it with the pistons and all those guys and they got physical with him and they beat him up well that's kind of like what he's getting at in terms of the patrick mahomes rules and the raiders if you remember went into arrowhead and beat patrick mahomes and the kansas city chiefs on christmas day so antonio pierce the new head coach of the raiders might just have that beat, and that's what's trending. All right, everybody, we are back with you. We'll get out to the calls in just a sec, 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. We'll get to Saeed, we'll get to Lap, we'll get to you at 301-230-0980, again, on the Ace Law listener lines in a rec. Ace Law, I hope you get a check. Call them at 8888-ACE-LAW. I was just rifling through and just double-checking a, a few things, and I said to Matt right before we came back, I said, the Wizards are off again tonight. They lost in New Orleans, I think it was Saturday night. No, 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 I'm sorry. It, with, with the All-Star break, it was before that. Uh, they lost in New Orleans, I think it was Thursday night. But then you had the All-Star break. And, and, and since the All-Star break, Obviously, they haven't played. It's now Wednesday. They theoretically should be playing tonight. Instead, they're at Denver tomorrow night. So they haven't played a game by the time we get to tomorrow night, Thursday night, in a week, which is not super abnormal. But they played one game in the last week and a half, going all the way back to a loss um, against the, uh, who was it? Uh, let me just double check my, uh, Mavericks. against the Mavericks in which that was last Monday night, which Gafford went against the Wizards and had the big game. Then they played again, the Pelicans, I think it was Wednesday night, then the all-star break. So they're going to play, you know, basically by the time they get to tomorrow night, one game or no games for like eight days and basically one game in the last 10 days. Now, some of you might be saying, Chris, that's a good thing. They stink. And you're right. They stink. They've only won nine games, as we know. So maybe a break is what they need. It's what the doctor called for. We will see. But the Wizards back in action against the Denver Rich and Creamy Nuggets, the defending champions, coming up uh, tomorrow night. All right, back to NFL free agency before we get to the calls. So here's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to run down, like the athletic, um, and, and again, this is Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, former XFL GM, or UFL now, I guess. Uh, we had him on the show last year. Um, I don't know if he's going to be involved in the league again this year because they actually contracted the Seattle team. But he did this piece for The Athletic in which his top free agents, top 150 free agents, start with four defensive players. Brian Burns, a defensive end pass rush specialist for the Carolina Panthers. Daniil Hunter, 
Uh, again, an edge pass rusher for the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Matabique, the defensive tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. And Chris Jones, the defensive tackle for the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Now, all four of those guys, you can make an argument, certainly, that the Washington Commanders could use, find a way to use, right? Even though they have a lot of money invested in Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. A, we don't know if Jonathan Allen's going to be here. B, you know, Craig suggested this, and I think it's a good idea, that you could possibly see Deron Payne play more defensive end this year. You could possibly see it. We don't know. We're not going to know. So only this staff kind of has an idea of where they're heading. And certainly we would start to see that manifest itself during free agency. So I wouldn't absolutely rule out a defensive tackle, although it's highly, highly, highly unlikely that they would sink a bunch of resources into Matabique or even the great Chris Jones. But Brian Burns and Daniel Hunter, yeah, you could see that, absolutely. Now, Burns, I think, is going to get the franchise tag. I mean, I can't believe Carolina, with as bad as their organization is, at 26, is still screwing around with Brian Burns. But they're still screwing around with Brian Burns. They still haven't gotten him under a long-term deal. If you could somehow get him out of Carolina without having to trade for him, and again, the franchise tag window is now open. If you could somehow get him out of Carolina, you would get him out of Carolina in a heartbeat. They were close to drafting him back in 2019. Brian Burns, eight sacks, 40 pressures, a pressure rate of 11.1%, uh, played 77% of the snaps. Again, Carolina turned down multiple draft picks in, um, in, in, in pursuit of Burns. They likely put the franchise tag on him, right, and play that dance out. Maybe they get an extension. Maybe they don't. Who knows? It's probably going to take draft picks to get him. So I would probably say, uh -uh, not likely. But how about Daniil Hunter? I mean, I don't think Minnesota, with their situation with Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, needing to improve other areas of their football team. You know, they're eventually going to have to pay Darasaw, their left tackle. Not now, but soon. I think next offseason. I don't know if Minnesota, who's been sort of dangling Daniil Hunter for a while, or at least the last year and last offseason, is going to put a franchise tag on Daniil Hunter. Now, he's got a lot of football under him, but he's not even 30 yet. He's only 29. He'll turn 30 in October. And he had 16 and a half sacks last year. 16 and a half. Now, that was against a, uh, in a very aggressive scheme. If you told me, hey, man, like I could get Daniil Hunter on a four-year, let's call it $75-ish mm, million dollar contract, you know, with... $50 million guaranteed, and I'm just, again, speculating some numbers here. We can dive deeper into the calculated market value. That might be low, but I'm just off the top of my head. Daniil Hunter would make this team immediately, immediately better. Now, then you say, well, Chris, wait a second. We have Deron Payne and we have Jonathan Allen. Yes, you do. 
And again, they might use Deron Payne in a different way. But until I see that, they need edge help. Guess what, boys and girls? Andre Jones and KJ Henry, not enough. James Smith-Williams, free agent, not enough. Casey Tuell, free agent, not enough. Daniil Hunter is probably not going to get the tag, unlike Burns, and maybe even Matabique. Uh, and Chris Jones's tag situation is very complex in terms of how his contract is and the rules and whatever. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but it's unlikely that he gets the tag in Kansas City. Daniil Hunter... Number two on Randy Mueller's athletic, what top 150, that might be the guy that you zero in on because you need edge help. Even if your plan is to play Deron Payne more as a down defensive end instead of necessarily lined up next to Jonathan Allen all the time, even if that's your plan, you still need help. And yes, you still need three really good pass rushers. You still need that. We saw the precipitous drop-off after the trades of Montez Sweat and Chase Young, and even before then, you could have made that argument. All right, so Daniil Hunter is a guy that I think you should really kind of focus in on. Let's get to you and knock down a call, and then we will, or two, and then we will get more to you on the other side. I have odds on where certain primetime free agents are going to wind up for whatever that's worth, which is not much, but it's just fun. Uh, and I have more names, obviously, that could fit even more so into the fold for the commanders as we go through. Spend some time on free agency here because, you know, again, the draft is great. And, yes, maybe that's where the quarterback, the starting quarterback, the hopefully franchise future quarterback will come from, and certainly where the bulk of the roster will come from. But this team, again, has around roughly $80 million to use in free agency. They might not use all of it. I would say they're probably not going to use all of it. But they're going to use $65, 70000000 million of it, I can tell you that much. Let's get to Saeed on line two, Matt, uh, right here on the Team 980 and put him in the leadoff spot on the show today. What's up, Saeed? How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, Saeed. Thanks for the buzz. Good. Uh, quick question. Uh, well, actually, in terms of the free agent, I think that the guys that are on the top of the list might, especially on the edge rusher, because that's where I was going to go with this. So I actually looked a little bit deeper on the list, and I'm more around like the the Huff from Jets or or um, Josh Allen from the Jaguars, something along those lines. Yep. Um, it's probably where I'd want to go because I just feel like. If top of the market comes in and those guys get the big money, we might be better off getting just maybe you know second tier, and those guys are still phenomenal. But my right. question for you, if you have time, is I wanted to ask, I, I really do believe that the coaching staff that we're assembling is going to be a great group of football guys, and I feel like our last coaching staff didn't have a lot of those football guys surrounding mm-hmm. the players. So how can we – how can we accurately assess some of those players that we had that, you know, some of those, uh, they didn't really pan out. We thought they had good high ceilings. but Like they Emmanuel really get Forbes and J- Jamin Davis, yeah, guys like, like that. Sure. So like, so, like, while I'm doing my assessment and saying, here's where I feel like, here's where mm-hmm. our needs are, right. I don't really... I don't really know if those are actually needs because I don't know if this coaching staff is going to look at the video and say, this 
somebody to you know it's a great it's a great question no it's a great question say and that's why dan quinn when he was on with us last week said look the first thing that we're doing before we even get into free agency before we even get into the draft is making individualized video cut-ups of every player now he didn't say how many plays he didn't say how extensive each player on the roster practice squad 53 so on veteran young player what have you they are making individual cut-ups so that their staff can evaluate those players. What do they do well? What do they not do well? How do they fit into the desired scheme and how we think we're going to use them? You know, are they, is it, can Emmanuel Forbes play more man coverage? Can Kendall Fuller play man coverage? He's a free agent, right? Do we sink money into him? So on and so forth. So I think you're absolutely right. It comes first how they evaluate the players that they're inheriting, what they're going to do with those players, and then they, of course, formulate a plan or simultaneously formulate a plan to attack whatever they feel they still need, which is still going to be plenty, uh, in free agency. And going back to your original question, I don't think Josh Allen, the not the quarterback, Josh Allen, the edge rusher from Jacksonville, is going to get away free from Jacksonville. So I didn't include him in the opening part of it. I was going to get to him a little bit later. I think he's going to get the franchise tag. I'm not doing any franchise tag trade. Sorry, not happening. No chance. But Bryce Huff, the other guy you brought up, I don't think he's going to, of course, get a franchise tag, nor should he. He's still a young player. He's not a full-time player, but he's got athleticism. He's got twitch, and he's coming from a scheme if you think about it, right, Robert Sala, again, was in San Francisco. Where did Adam Peters come from? So that's a guy that I think, you know, he, he again, didn't play even 50% of the snaps and still had 10 sacks and 67 pressures. That's a dude that's going to make himself a lot of money, and teams are and people are going to, you know, obviously probably overpay based on previous productions. Hey, I appreciate the phone call. Thank you very much. We'll get to lap next on the other side, 301 301-230-0980. Yeah, I definitely think Bryce Huff uh, from the Jets is going to be somebody that's going to make a lot of money and probably doesn't have the booming track record that others have. And you have to, again, more project. But remember, Robert Sala, the de- former defensive coordinator in San Francisco, was with Adam Peters and that whole crew. So there certainly could be something there. Take a time out. Back in a flash from Commander's Headquarters at 301-230-0980 on the Team 980 and... The Odyssey app. All right, as we approach 2 o'clock right here on a Wednesday afternoon, we're right in the middle of free agency. You know, another guy that certainly is going to get paid and paid a lot and certainly coming off the edge can be exactly what the commanders need. And I don't know if he's going to get the franchise tag in Houston. There's a chance that he does. Nobody has really received it yet because why would you do it yet? Um, Teams will start doing that more next week when they meet with agents and so on and so forth. Is Jonathan Greenyard uh, from the Houston Texans. I mean, he had obviously a tremendous year uh, last year. Uh, Now, he might be... Again, a guy that you have to not necessarily project. He had 12 and a half sacks, much like what we were talking about with the kid from uh, the New York Jets, um, who, you know, uh, again, yes, everybody you have to sort of make a projection on. Uh, but 
like what you have to be careful about is did did a guy just have a great breakout year in a free agency year, and once he gets the money, he's not going to be the same? I don't know. I don't know the player. But Jonathan Greenyard, 12 and a half sacks last year, uh, played 55% of the snaps. I think certainly he can be a 4-3 end, an edge guy. I think he could also play, if you wanted to, have a 3-4 system, which I don't think they're going to do here, but I don't know for sure. He also probably could play that outside linebacker spot. So that's another guy. Now, again, Houston, I would I would guess, based on their free agents that I was able to see, that they ultimately franchise tag him, but I don't know that for sure. Again, you don't want to just slap franchise tags on everybody because that automatically raises the... Con- it was the same thing with the Kirk Cousins thing, and everybody told me I was nuts. And I kept saying, don't franchise tag Kirk Cousins. It raises the salary floor for a long-term negotiation. It does not help you as much as people think it helps you. Yes, it restricts players. And yes, sometimes you have to do that. But you can't always do it because, again, it raises the floor completely out of whack like for instance cam curl is the only guy on the commanders that i would even remotely consider putting the franchise tag on wait i'm gonna franchise tag a seventh round safety hybrid linebacker no thanks i mean you could make an argument kendall fuller you could make an argument curtis samuel i'm not in the business of of automatically raising their salary floor so that a long-term extension starts with that as opposed to what they're currently making and maybe a small raise. You see where I'm coming from? If the tag is $15 million and a player is making, I don't know, let's just say 7 or $8 million, right? Why the hell would you raise him double his salary to start the negotiations off of a long-term deal? Where do you think agents go? Of course they go there. That's exactly what happened with Kirk Cousins and his agent, Mike McCartney. They said, hey, we're only asking for three years, 19 million fully guaranteed. So we know he's going to be here and obviously gets the guaranteed cash. That's what they were asking for after the commanders raised their negotiation, I think, to like 16 million. So there was like a three million. But as soon as they put the franchise tag on him, the 19 million goes away, the 16 million goes away, and they ultimately wound up paying 20 million and then 24 million. There were natural huge spikes, and that's then where the negotiation starts off of on a long-term deal. So you don't want to use the franchise tag if you don't have to use the franchise tag. All right, I'll tell you what. To be fair to everybody, we'll knock down all the calls on the other side of 2 o'clock right here on the Team 980. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. Again, free agency, guys, comes a little bit earlier this year, just a couple of weeks away. Combine next week, and before you know it, free agency. We'll be in the throes of that, and then, of course, you know, late April, uh, the NFL draft, but there'll be a little bit of a gap between free agency or the prime part of free agency and the draft. There's not much time here for this new staff with the combine next week and then free agency starting when it does 
to get stuff done. So they're going to have to make a lot of quick evaluations here, right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. everybody we are back with you at commander's headquarters in ashburn virginia good to have you with us before we get back out to the calls i did want to throw this out there because we just finished up our number one kind of mentioning it the franchise tag window and the transition tag window and all that is open it's open for the next week and a half is there anybody on the commanders that should get the franchise tag I mean, the only guy that I could think of that I would personally consider would be Cam Curl. And Cam Curl and the safety tag is $16.2 million. No thanks. No chance. I'm not giving that to him on a one-year deal. I'm not giving that to him on a multi-year deal. No way. No chance. I'll do better. I mean, I like Cam Curl. Who doesn't like Cam Curl? Versatile, smart, been a great success story. I can't pay him $16 million. Can't do it. Even on a one-year deal, can't do it. Originally, I was thinking, well, you know, maybe you could get Cam Curl on that franchise tag. I thought the number for the safeties would be, million, $16 million, $16.2 million. Can't do that. I don't think maybe I'm wrong. I mean, who are you going to do? Curtis Samuel, you're going to pay Curtis Samuel an average of 20 points. Well, 20.6 for this year on a one year deal, all against the cap or again, a long-term deal. Be it three years, whatever. That's what he just came off of. Centered and based off of the cap number or the the tag number of 20.6? No. Can't pay Curtis Samuel that. For what? 62 catches? I mean, you just can't do that. Right? Like, if you're the Bucks, you could possibly justify doing that for Mike Evans. Mike Evans is in a completely different world. And even that they're not going to do because they've got Baker Mayfield they got to take care of, and they got Antoine Winfield Jr. And oh, by the way, when we're talking about Cam Curl, and if he were to leave, now it'd cost you a pretty penny, but Antoine Winfield Jr. would be pretty damn enticing for me. You're going to pay who on the franchise tag? Antonio Gibson? No chance. Even. I mean, even if you like Antonio Gibson, and I have no idea what this staff thinks. We know the fumbling issues. We know that's a problem. We know he's a pretty good kick returner, but not dominant or explosive enough that you say, well, you have to have that. 
We know he's a pretty good third down back, but again, not dominant or explosive enough, you know, where you say, well, he catches 95 ball. No, 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 no. Now, again, maybe that would go up in a different system with a better quarterback. So I can't say never, but I mean, that's not what we're dealing with right now. And that's not what I don't think anybody reasonably would expect. So no Samuel, no Antonio Gibson. No Cam Curl. The only other one that you would maybe consider would be Kendall Fuller. Again, the franchise tag number there, almost $19 million. I mean, Kendall Fuller is, what, 30? Going on 31? I, I, I think he's a good zone corner. I don't think he can play man as much as I think they're going to play man. I don't even know if Kendall Fuller is going to be, like, if they would want him back. Especially with Stephon Gilmore on the free agent market. And Jordan Lewis, who's more of a slot guy that both played under Dan Quinn and both played under Joe Witt Jr. Probably signed one of those two guys and kind of go from there. All right, 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. More as we pick through free agency. Let's get to Lap on line one, Maddie, uh, right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. What's up, Lap? How are you? Hey, hey, what's up, Lewis? Hey, what's going uh, on? I, I, I don't really know who who we should get. You know, I just want somebody that's in the scheme, you know, preferably young. Um, I did want Curtis Samuel back, but I don't know, you know, what that would cost. And definitely the franchise tag is just too much money, man, when we got other needs, you know. So I'm just hoping they can get this right, man, and uh, get this draft right, you know, and just know what direction they're going. I mean, I guess once we figure out what the quarterback situation is, and we might get a little bit of idea of what direction they're going to go, whatever free agencies, you know, they do acquire. But – um, I just don't want to break the bank. And I think one of the other callers was saying, like, the next tier guys that, that will be available. Um, hey, let me ask you this, Wilson. Did you, have you talked to Pete yet about the draft? Because uh, I was curious to see what he thought we should do at that number two spot. Uh, as in Medhurst, you mean? Uh, did, did you say Pete as in Medhurst? Yes, no. Oh no, I, I, I no, I have no, I, I haven't, <laughs> I, I haven't talked to him. I'd, I'd love to talk to him, but uh, 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 you know, some okay. things are out of my control, I guess. You know, um, but no, oh, I no, I, 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 I haven't. I um, if, if, if you, if you talk to him, man, just ask him. Tell him his boy laughed. Yep. Uh, you know, no, I hear it. Listen, you know, here, here's the here's the interesting thing, Lappy, about, you know, about free agency and the like everybody. I, again, I do think the quarterback or I, I do think a, a top young quarterback is coming here. However, they decide to do it, whether it's at two, whether they trade down slightly, yeah. uh, whether they trade back up into the first round. I, I know that they're going to draft a young quarterback to develop. It would be insane not to. Okay, so again, yeah. I don't think I don't think the 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 quarterback of the future again is going to be Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill or somebody like that. Again, they'll yeah. sign a third string veteran quarterback or or somebody who could push the two top guy, whatever. But I think the other yeah. positions are certainly up for grabs in terms of how they attack because they do have a. I mean, the one good thing about the 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 departing front office, and again, Mayhew is staying. 
Herney for now. We'll see about Rob Rogers. All those guys. The one yeah. good thing is they didn't spend a lot of money in free agency. And because yeah. they didn't spend a lot of money in free agency and they really focused on signing long term their core young guys, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, um, Terry McLaurin, they've got a ton of money to spend. They could have upwards of about $90 million to spend after cutting some guys. And yeah. to me, that screams that they're going to be uber aggressive in free agency without being reckless. And there is a fine line. Like, I think if they, if somehow Legereus Sneed doesn't get a franchise tag in Kansas City, that dude would be a perfect fit here. Now, you're going to pay a pretty penny for him, but he's a man guy. He's big-time experience. Yeah. He did give up two touchdowns in, in the playoffs, but those were the only two touchdowns he gave up all year. He can do whatever you want. He's physical. He's feisty. He's young. He's, like, spend money on that guy. Antoine Winfield, yeah, no, ideally I don't want to spend $90 million on a safety. But you know what? If there's $90 yeah. million on a safety, Antoine Winfield is going to be the guy I'm going to spend it on. You know? So yeah. so I think they will be yeah. aggressive but not reckless, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Look, let me ask you this, too, Rooster. If, if we was to go get uh, a pick, you know, trade back and get some picks, but still get a quality player, say an offensive line or whoever, offensive lineman or whoever is available, and then maybe get the kid from uh, Washington um, in the uh, second round. Would, would you be, you know, you would have just. You're talking about, pe- you're talking about panics? Yeah. 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 Would you okay. go with that round if we could um... You know, in the top somewhere, if we trade back, but still get somebody quality, but get him if we don't necessarily get one of those top quarterbacks. Yeah, I, you know, I, I yeah. mean, first yeah. of all, if if they go anywhere other than quarterback in in the in the with the first pick, right? Unless they're unless yeah. you're talking about like again the scenario we talked about yesterday or earlier this week or last week, I guess it was trading back into the teens with like Denver or somebody yeah. like that. If they go. If they go with somebody other than quarterback as their top pick, then yes, I think they will be uber aggressive in terms of getting who they think is a potential quarterback in the future with the next pick after that. Now, the question for me is A, who, but B, does it come via a trade back up into the first round using multiple second round picks and maybe who else you got by trading down? And who is it? Or do you sit there at 36 and 40 and say one of these guys, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, um, Spencer Rattler, who had a big Super Bowl, a Senior Bowl week, one of those guys will fall to yeah. us. Okay, and, 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 here's, and here's the deal. What I would say is it's more likely that you would trade up and be aggressive and trade back into the first round and grab one of these guys that you really have a good grade on and really like. As far as Penix goes, yeah. listen. He's 24 years old. That doesn't disqualify you, but he's had multiple knee injuries. He's not super athletic, but he is a really, really, really good pocket passer. I would say, yeah. I would say this. I like him. I don't know if I like him enough to trade back up into the first round. Meaning he's a guy that if he falls to me at 36, 
I could I could absolutely justify that. Now, again, they might have a different evaluation. That's just my evaluation, and certainly I'm not an expert, yeah. but that's just my evaluation. So we'll see. Lappy, thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Got to let you run uh, so we can get to uh, some more calls here. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. Let's uh, dial up the JYD uh, before we take the time out. What's up, JYD? How are you? All right. How are you doing, Ruth? All right, JYD. What's going on? Well, well, well. I heard I I heard you uh, mention. Um, well, one thing you mentioned the guy from Kansas City. I hope they can resolve that issue. Uh, you talking about Chris Jones or you talking about Lejarius Sneed? Both of them, Sneed and 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 and, yeah. and Chris Jones. Well, it looks well, like the, it looks like they're not going to give the franchise tag to Chris Jones, and I think they're going to ultimately give it to Lejarius Sneed, and that's what I would do because Chris Jones's money is out of whack if you give him uh, the franchise tag. So I think that's I know, their I know, best option. I know the whole story. I know the whole story yeah. about, about the Kansas City's my team, but I'm saying if the if 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 he was to come loose in free agency. But if I was the commander, yes, I would be knocking on his door, yeah, and I yeah. would pay the price for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, now, no, no now, now you mentioned now you mentioned Hunter from from Minnesota. Yes, he's a guy that you can that, that you can bargain with because he will not be getting the tag because because on the deal that he on the one on the on the deal that he remained in, in Minnesota for for another year or so. Uh, also came the right for them uh, not uh, he got the right for them not to be able to franchise tag mm-hmm. this time or, or whatever so he so he will be out there and if I am the commanders I would be he's a guy that I would definitely be trying to get yeah, because you know you mentioned Daniil Hunter. I, I mean, and, and who was the number two guy on this list by Randy Mueller, and a guy I definitely think they should be heavily interested in. He's been around forever, but he's not even thirty yet. Now, I mean, right. listen, he's not, he's not an old guy. Yeah, could you play him nine hundred and fifty snaps and expect you know seventeen? Uh, maybe not as he gets a little bit older. But I, I, he's he's not been like off injured or anything like that. So I think, I think you could for, reasonably I think he's good for at least three. I yeah, think he's good for you know, at least for three years or so. I agree. And and oh, well, this is this guy. is the year to get, this is the year you have the money and you have the needs. So without being reckless, be aggressive. Uh, I, I'm totally for them being aggressive without being stupid. Here's another guy. Here's another guy. If I mean, I mean, I mean. Uh, if you need, if you're looking for another receiver, it, it, I, I wouldn't have no problem bringing in Mike Evans. Uh so yeah, that does. to me that's not going to happen because if Mike Evans goes anywhere, I mean, he might be going to you guys if they could figure that out. Uh, and he might take way less money to go to the Chiefs, but he's not coming here on anything less than a four-year, hundred ish million dollar deal there's no way aj brown got the deal that he got two years ago from the eagles and mike evans right. is going to take less than that per year which i think if memory serves was like five years 125 could... somewhere in that range uh i, I, I well i tell you look uh, another guy that, that, that that's out there i i, I wouldn't i wouldn't want i wouldn't want him or whatever because he stays he, he stays hurt a lot, Mike Williams or whatever. But who knows? Kansas City might might come up begging for him because because they need somebody 
even if they gave him a one-year deal. Yeah, Mike Williams, I mean, to your point, he's always hurt. I, I, I don't want anybody yeah. who's always hurt. I, I know eventually right. sometimes guys catch lightning in a bottle. I just can't bring in and spend significant assets, significant resources on a guy who's got – you know, a wide-ranging history of constantly being hurt. JYD, I appreciate the uh, phone call. Always good to hear uh, from you, but we got to move along. Here's one name that I want you to keep in mind that I think there might be some legitimate interest in um, and who is not a big name, who you're probably not going to know uh, unless you really study offensive line, Lloyd Cushenberry from the Denver Broncos, center, 26 years old. Played almost every snap last year. Good young player, good feet. I, like the Dolphins, Connor Williams, who wound up injured, he's a guy that's out there and, and certainly could fit the bill. I think he's 27. Cushenberry might be on that next step, that next precipice, if you will, to take that next big breakout. And again, it. You don't necessarily want to spend a ton of money on center, but this team has not been the same in any way, shape, or form. Not only at center, but at certainly the left guard position and really right guard up until um, Sam Cosme solidified it. This team has not been the same since um, Chase Roulier got hurt the first time and couldn't stay on the field. And center is not the same as left tackle, but it is really, really important to have somebody A, healthy, B, somebody that's good, and somebody that is about to break out. And that might be this Cushionberry kid, 26 years old. Again, played nearly 100% of the snaps at center for the Denver Broncos. And nobody knows about him because, well, the Broncos haven't been good. That might be a name to keep an eye on. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. We'll bounce around some other positions. I've got some odds. Uh, we've got more on the list uh, to get to. By the way, Cushenberry is, uh, I think, number 19 on Mueller's list. Uh, I forgot to mention that. Uh, number, actually, 15 on Mueller's list. There's other centers out there. Again, I mentioned the, the kid from Miami. They desperately need an upgrade. Sorry. I mean, Nick Gates, great guy. Awesome dude. He was so good to my son. They need an upgrade. Nick Gates can stay here, but he can be the backup at center and guard. Can't start based off of everything we saw uh, last year on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, good to have you with us. We continue along from Commander's Park right here in Ashburn where we're going to uh, try and slip out during the 3 o'clock hour as we play you uh, an interview that I recorded uh, this morning uh, with a Emmy Award-winning filmmaker from ESPN and NFL Films on Reggie White and the 30 for 30 uh, documentary that came out on him and an ensuing podcast on what happened and why they haven't been able to solve uh, what happened to the church that Reggie White ran and owned in Knoxville, Tennessee, almost 30 years ago. And they still have not been able uh, to solve that. So a new podcast out on that. So while that is playing, we're going to run over to the bubble and try and get an assistant coach or maybe two 
uh, that we can play you before the end of the show. So that is the plan, and hopefully all goes according to plan. All right, let me, uh, before I keep forgetting, because I've, I've teed this up a couple of times, um, there are all sorts of odds, as you would, again, this is more for conversation than reality, even though a lot of people take it as reality. Um, but just some bigger names on the free agent market, and what the odds are and where they might wind up, okay? So I wanted to pass along some of this to you. Austin Eckler of the Chargers. Now, I made an argument last year that they should have gone after Austin Eckler. Uh, turned out, you know, it was banged up as usual, or not as usual, I shouldn't say, but I mean, he's small, he's diminutive, right? He takes a little bit of a pounding. Um, I thought he would be a pretty good fit in the Eric Bieniemy system, Turned out they had no interest, whatever. He wanted to stay in the chart. I don't think he's coming back to the Chargers, even though Harbaugh likes to run the ball. I think he's going to want too much money, and I think he probably gets it from somewhere. Maybe the Giants, if they lose Saquon Barkley, because it doesn't look like they're going to franchise tag him. But just for instance, the Ravens are plus 500 to land Eckler. If not the Chargers, the Giants are plus 1,400 to land Eckler. The Commanders are plus 3,300. That actually makes sort of sense, right? Because they have Brian Robinson Jr. They have Chris Rodriguez Jr. We'll see about Antonio Gibson, but it's hard to imagine you're going to spend big-time money on an Austin Eckler or Derrick Henry, somebody like that, right? It's hard to imagine. Now, I'm not even going to do Baker Mayfield because there's, again, no chance that he's coming here. But just so you know, Baker Mayfield, if not the Buccaneers, plus 400 to the Atlanta Falcons, plus 600, again, for whatever this is worth, to the Chicago Bears, plus 700 to the Denver Broncos, again, it's just worth the paper it's printed on, but it's just interesting to kind of see these perspectives. I don't even think the commanders uh, – no, they are listed. I'm sorry, I skipped over them. Plus 800 for old Baker Baker, the touchdown maker, huh? How about Calvin Ridley? Talked about wide receivers. I think JYD brought up uh, Mike Evans. Uh, again, I don't think that's going to happen. Calvin Ridley doesn't look like he's coming back uh, to the Jaguars. Of course, you know he had that one-year suspension. Calvin Ridley, back to the Falcons, plus 200. To the Chiefs, I think that makes some sense, plus 500. To the Bills, who might be losing um, uh, uh, Gabriel Davis, plus 800. To the Steelers, who have all sorts of issues at wide receiver despite talent, plus 1,000. The Washington Commanders, when it comes to a guy like Calvin Ridley, all the way down near the bottom of the list, plus 5,000. And again, this is sports betting AG just uh, as a source. Derrick Henry, we mentioned him. I, I mean, again, probably winds up in Baltimore. But I guess he could theoretically wind up in the division, right? I mean, Dallas, they might lose Tony Pollard. He's a free agent. And I, I don't know how Dallas is going to do all this with the contract and the Dak Prescott situation uh, is a mess. The Commanders for Derrick Henry, plus 4,000. Again, 
Nobody thinks that's going to happen, and for good reason. We just kind of talked about that. Josh Jacobs, another big year for the running backs. Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, uh, Saquon Barkley. The Commanders, once again, not very high on this list either, plus 5,000 when it comes to that. Now, as far as Kirk Cousins, we know that last week there were odds that said the Commanders were the odds-on favorite. This goes the complete opposite way. They have teams legitimately that could sign Kirk Cousins, I think. The Falcons, again, Julie, his wife, is from there, plus 200. The Broncos, they're moving on from Russell Wilson, plus 400. The Patriots don't really have a proven quarterback, plus 600. Again, that all makes sense. The Commanders, plus 2,000. Probably about 12th, 13th on the list, somewhere in that range. Again, I'd be very surprised if Kirk Cousins is the play. Now, this is a guy that I'm interested in. Michael Pittman from the Indianapolis Colts. Remember, he was the guy the Colts took early in the second round with the pick that the Colts got from trading back with the Commanders in 2019 when the Commanders moved back up into the first round. I think it was 26 overall. Maybe it was 24 overall. can't remember. Montez Sweat. The Colts got the second pick, I think it was, in the 2020 uh, draft, or in the 2020 second round, for that. And they got another second-round pick for that deal. And they took Michael Pittman. Now, Michael Pittman, if not the Colts, the betting favorite or the online favorite, if you will, according to Sports Betting AG, plus 400. The commanders on this list. And, and I think this is way, 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 way low. I don't expect them to spend the kind of money it probably will take on Michael Pittman. And he might be franchise tagged by the Colts. But plus 5,000. Why are we so confident? Why is this site so confident that the commanders won't roll the dice on a big receiver? He's a big body type, a red zone threat. Been productive, doesn't have a ton of drops that I remember. Has had all sorts of instability at quarterback. I think more than Mike Evans, I think Michael Pittman could be, could be a play here. Again, I doubt they go that much money, but like John Dodson's not proven, had regressed significantly, and did Terry McLaurin improve? I mean, again, it could be all sorts of things. Bad quarterback, bad offensive line, bad coordinator, bad route, all sorts of things. We don't know. But it's not like Terry McLaurin has been scoring double-digit touchdowns for years. Now, he had not had a good quarterback to work with, but he, I mean, normally he gets like five touchdowns a year. He went lower than that, four touchdowns last year. As a matter of fact, the commanders had like four or five guys with four touchdowns and nobody with anything more in terms of the receiving uh, touchdowns. All right, so I just wanted to throw uh, a little bit of that at you. We'll get back to the calls on the other side, NFL free agency, the focus on this show, uh, and we will continue to rock and roll because we got more information as we go along. Again, we're taking a little bit of a break from the draft and the quarterback talk. Trust me, we'll have plenty of time. In case you missed it yesterday, we had a great conversation, great trade proposals. It's all up. Uh, Lou and Matt did it all for you at the Team980.com and the Odyssey app. It's all easily identified. We proposed the big trade. Uh, we gave our spiel, and I'm 
very surprised and pleasantly surprised that fans uh, were not in favor of moving up for Caleb Williams. I think there's a lot of unknown there. I think there's a lot more unknown than some people are making it out to be. But first, let's do a trending alert, and then we will get right back to you on the phones at 301-230-0980. All right, so from college basketball last night, Maryland losing at home to Wisconsin, 74-70. But how about this? UConn, just when you thought that the defending national champions were going to rock and roll into March Madness. Well, they get upended by number 15, Creighton, which ends the Huskies' 14-game winning streak. Now, that game was on the road, so good win for Creighton uh, at home. But they blew them out, 85-66, making a statement uh, for sure in Big East play. Meanwhile, the Wizards are off until tomorrow night after the All-Star break, still with a couple of days to heal and get ready for the rest of the ground. As they try and get their 10th win, it will not be easy. They try and do it against Nikola Jokic and the defending champion, Denver Nuggets tomorrow night here on the team, 980 in the Odyssey app. Caps with a big win as we open the show with, and you will hear from Alex Ovechkin in just a little bit, so stay tuned for that. Alex Ovechkin, two goals last night, 6-2 win over the Josh Harris-owned New Jersey Devils as the Caps head off to Tampa for an affair tomorrow night. And that's what's trending. All right, good to have you with us. Coming to you live from Ashburn, Commander's Headquarters, where we're going to race over to the bubble after 3 o'clock and try and grab an assistant coach or two. They're all being made available for quick little spots. Uh, uh, we will see who we uh, certainly can come up with. But we're in the throes of free agency. Uh, and, you know, again, two. I think it's two weeks from today. Uh, if memory serves me correct, I haven't looked exactly at the calendar. I know the scouting combine is obviously uh, next week. I think it's two weeks from today uh, in which to start. Maybe it's three weeks. I can't remember. Uh, either way, it's not very long. And that's the hard part when you decide to make wholesale changes. And obviously everybody's excited about the fresh faces and moving on from Ron and so on and so forth. You don't have a lot of time. And this is... You know, people think and act like you have all the time in the world because there's no games and there's no players in the building and so on. No, 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 no. That's not true. Because for the coaches and the new general manager, and even though there are existing executives, again, i.e. Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, uh, Tim Gribble, um, Scouts, all – and even though they're bringing in the new assistant GM, there is not a lot of time to balance both the draft and free agency and also, again, evaluate exactly what you have. Because that was the first step. You know, Dan Quinn mentioned that to us last week, and that makes sense. Hey, we want to find out what exactly do we have so we know what we need. So we know what we need. Uh, just real quickly, going back to the free agency list, one name that you know, I think if they let Cam Carroll go, that, you know, I mentioned Antoine Winfield, right? Now, Antoine Winfield is going to cost probably 590 
five years and $90 million if Tampa doesn't put the franchise tag on him, which I think they're going to put the franchise tag on him. But a guy like Xavier McKinney, who's been with the Giants, I think that could be a guy that you spend some money on. First of all, he's better in coverage than Cam Curl. I mean, he's fast, right? Now, Cam Curl's not slow, but McKinney has had some injury issues, did have three interceptions last year. I don't know if the Giants put the franchise tag on him because doesn't look like they're going to put it on Saquon. But he's 25 years old. Former Alabama kid, so you know he was coached well. McKinney might be a guy, again, for a team that might play, might play, that single high free safety look in the old Seattle cover three, that might be the answer that they have not had here in a long, long time. Because here's the thing. Cam Curl is a nice versatile switchblade, all that. We know he's not the answer in that regard. We know that. So if you still need that, if you still need that, which unquestionably they do, no matter what style of defense they play, two deep, high, single high, cover three, whatever, they still need somebody with range and ability to deep cover. Right? How many explosive plays did they give up? Well, that's not Cam Curl. And it never will be Cam Curl. And that's not an insult to Cam Curl. So if you're going to spend money, would you spend it on that? Or would you spend it on somebody that could potentially solve that long-standing issue for you? This team has not had a middle linebacker, a Mike linebacker in 12 years that was really good. And this team has not had a free safety that was really good since Sean T. passed away. I'm not saying Xavier McKinney is that guy. Of course not. But he closes that gap. All right, back to the phones we go. 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980. Let's get our pal Sean in Cincinnati here uh, on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app on this Wednesday afternoon. What's up, Sean? How are you? I'm good, Chris. Thanks. Uh, I just wanted to call in and uh, give my quick two cents. on. I said to say Wednesdays are usually Linnell days. Is that is that just a today thing, or is it is that a, is it no longer Linnell well, Wednesday? Well, so it, it's it, it's a good question. I think it's a very fair question. Um, so here's here's the best way I can answer it. He has to do yeah. overtime tonight from six thirty to ten. Um, okay. So on one hundred six seven. So I I think I think without talking to the boss, that was the reason why, you know, because he was needed elsewhere. I think yeah. we're going to still have him here on Windbag Wednesdays Okay. when when we can make it work schedule-wise. It might be a little bit more sporadic during the football season, uh, but I, as far as I know, he is still going to, uh, again, be a part of the show um, when he's not needed elsewhere, basically, is how I would explain okay. it. So, you know, I mean, we're a little All bit right. short-staffed because, you know, some people are on vacation and whatever. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, no, I mean, you guys, you and Matty Ice always do a great job, anyways. I was Thank just you. curious where my where my uh, buddy Linnell was, but um, you need yeah, you so you need the to... you need the L train in your life. Is that what basically what you're getting at? I mean, I'm, you you you, you two wanna, are. I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> it's, always, it's, 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 it's entertaining radio. I'll put it that way. You, I'm all you, about um, horse, baby. 
Exactly. He's always he's always moist. Now, you're what what people might not know about you is you're even younger than he is. Yeah. So you're really yeah, the I youngest have, in charge. I, I still have. I, I mean, I don't, I can't say this indefinitely, but it seems to me that I, although I'm younger than him, I have a much better taste in music than he does. But that's a story for another day. That is uh, absolutely I just correct. To give, yeah. <laughs> just my quick two cents. Um, and uh, by no means am I saying uh, I want Hal to start next year or anything like that. But my thing is, you see these reports about how. And, and who knows, like how true, true, excuse me, true they are. But just yesterday, we saw something that the, reportedly the Jets were interested in trading for him, and it, it, it's still the Jets. Like who, like they haven't had a good quarterback in it seems like forever. But it just feels like for me, why not keep him as a backup? He's a cheap backup. Like if you're going to trade him for a fourth or fifth round pick, like I, I guess get it, use him for a year, see what he does. But my thing is. Why not, like, just keep him as a cheap backup? And we always talk about, I mean, I, I brought up several times before the coaches were hired. People seem to hate so much on this retread. It doesn't matter. It, I mean, it's mainly for coaches, but sometimes it's for players, too. Like, we've seen players like Baker Mayfield is a great example, and everyone said they were very similar players where you just – and it obviously took Baker a while, so I'm not saying it's a, a recipe for success. But they change uh, situations, and they can have success. And I'm not saying – Sam is a bona fide QB one, but my thing is, it just seems like people are so quick and ready to dump him when the instability at our quarterback one position in his last couple of years has been so great that it seems like every year our QB one is out for at least several games. And I'm not saying I'm kind of like I'm kind of going to rant here, rambling. There's not really a huge point, so I apologize. But my thing is to you. Would you like? Do you think? And what would you think about? Like, do you think they'll keep him? And what would you think about them keeping him just to help the younger QB come in, see what happens, and then who knows? So if the QB one gets hurt, we could prop back and see if he's learned anything. I don't know. That's what. That's what I was just. Yeah, no, about I would not trade Sam Howell. This is this is me. I would not trade Sam Howell because I don't think you're ever going to get anything reasonably close to the value that he is going to provide to you, which is yeah. as yeah. a healthy, young, developing still quarterback that might be better quite honestly in a better offensive scheme system and with better coaching right to me yeah. i think the worst idea the worst idea for me would be to give up on sam howell right now so what if he's a backup so what if you draft the number yeah. two core quarterback and the kid takes uh you know the ball and runs with it and we never hear from sam howell again as anything other than a backup i mean that might suck for sam howell but you know what that's an insurance policy that he has to be willing to accept that's the cost of playing in the NFL, and that's a smart insurance uh, policy for the commanders. To me, they yeah. would at minimum, at minimum, get what? Uh, uh, like, I mean, probably, okay. I, I, maybe a fourth, maybe. Yeah. I mean, for somebody that's really kind of because you can't, you can't. Like the Jets would never say, "Well, Sam Howell's our starter." They would basically say, well, well, this is a better backup solution than Zach Wilson. Aaron Rodgers is still our starter. Now, if you would say, yeah. all right, say a team like New England and they give up on Mac Jones completely and they're going to make Sam Howell their QB one from the start. Maybe they get, maybe you can find a way to sucker them in and to give you a third round pick. 
Listen, I guess yeah. if that happens, maybe, but for the for the and for the anticipated return, I see no reason to move on from Sam Howell. Because here's the other thing. A, we don't number one, we don't know if they're actually going to take a quarterback at number two or trade down. Number two, even yeah. if they take a quarterback at two, there's nothing to say that that guy is A, ready, and B, healthy. I mean, think about yeah. yep. all the time that they will have from the time that they make that selection, wherever they make it, until week one of the regular season. There's no guarantee that he doesn't sprain an ankle or twist a knee or whatever. You know, yeah. I mean, so you need to have, and and I'll go one step further. I don't know if you were with me at the beginning of the show. I spent some time on, hey, man, they should sign Sam Darnold. They should sign somebody like Mitch Trubisky, somebody like that to be QB3, because every year, including in this organization, several times over the last five years, they have needed three quarterbacks, maybe even four quarterbacks. Remember when they were last a playoff team in yep. 2020? They were on quarterback <laughs> almost number five. Okay, and the last year the yeah. Browns, Joe Flacco was quarterback number four, and they won what eleven yeah. games. So, I mean, you need in addition to Sam Howell, I think you need a, a, a proven veteran because I don't think Jacoby Brissett comes back unless he yeah. doesn't have any other option, which I can't imagine he does. So, I think you sign a Darnold or a Trubisky or a Kyle, a, a, you know, Josh Allen, not a Josh Allen. Um, I forgot that he, he, he played college ball at Arkansas. I had him on my list. Uh, Zach Allen, maybe? I, I can't remember his first name. But somebody like that that's been around the league, yeah. that's not looking to be a starter, that's looking to kind of be a coach, mentor, you know, type, I think they absolutely need to focus on that as one of their big things in free agency because they need that guy. Every team yep. now needs to have one, two, three at quarterback because quarterbacks are not staying healthy like they once used to, even with all the protected and advanced rules. Yeah. And just to, just my quick point to finish up, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I just want I, one of your favorite quotes or yeah, one of your favorite quotes of mine is, a nine to five ham and egger. That's what we do not want. I'm so sick of these quarterbacks. They keep getting injured, and we we're pulling people off the street. No more nine to five ham and eggers. Thanks, Chris. You Have know, a great day, Sean. I appreciate it. I I can't take credit for that. I stole that one from Bobby the Brain Heenan, the late Bobby the Brain Heenan. I think he passed. If memory serves me correct, I'm pretty sure he did. I stole that from him. Nine to five ham and eggers. You know, basically your Jags, your your modern day Jags. You know, your everyday run of the mill type dude. Two fifty, team nine eighty. We will come back from Command Land right here in Ashburn Moore on free agency. And then coming up at three o'clock, we are going to hear from Emmy Award winning filmmaker and director, producer at NFL Films, Cortland Bragg on Reggie White. And whatever happened to Reggie White's church that was burned down so many years ago? And they still don't have an answer for it. Caught up with him this morning. Uh, we're going to play that for you while I try and run over and get an assistant coach uh, to give us a couple of minutes right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Here's a shot right off the draw. Washington! 
Buck far wing to Oshie, who will carry it in. Right side, centered to Strom, and a shot attempt. Rebound, Ovechkin scores! It's a two-goal night for Alex Ovechkin! His 16th of the year! Goal 8-38, and the Capitals have a 6-2 lead! Our buddy John Walton with the great calls. They are back-to-back and a belly-to-belly on the goal calls for Alex Ovechkin, number 15 and 16 on the year. And as you heard John Chronicle last night on the fan and the Odyssey app, the Caps Radio Network, number 837 and number 838 for Ovechkin. I think it's, uh, what, eight goals now in his last eight games. The Capitals with a huge pull-away win over the New Jersey Devils, 6-2, before heading off to Tampa, a huge two points. And Alex Ovechkin chasing eight. 95 is presented by our good friends at Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local, put their team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com for more information. So Ovechkin, I think the uh, number, if I did my math right, is 57 away uh, from uh, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, fit. yeah, 895, 838, uh, 57 away from Wayne Gretzky, and he's under contract for two more years after this one. And listen, at one point earlier this year, before this run, it was like, hmm, did something happen here that we're all sleeping on? And I would say right now, the fact that, again, Ovechkin's been on this tear, he had 6-6 six and six before Saturday night in Montreal. So this makes eight in eight, but it's not eight goals in consecutive games. You understand where we're going with this. So it's eight goals total in the Capitals' last eight games. And they only have three wins in that span to show for it. But listen, a couple of things here. One, I think this shows... He was just off to a slow start for whatever reason. Alex has still got it. Two, we said when this goal-scoring streak started, before we even knew it was the thing, the one thing that could carry the Washington Capitals into the Stanley Cup playoffs is Ovechkin saying, hop on my back, boys. I'll take you to the promised land. I'll take you to where you need to go. Take you whatever where you want to go. I'll give us a chance. And don't think, everyone else will tell you, uh, don't be in the mediocre game. Don't be in the just get in the playoffs game. It never works. As we mentioned early in the show, it works in hockey. It may not work the same in every other sport, although I think there's plenty of evidence that it does. Teams get hot at the right time. Not every year, not all the time, but it happens. But it seems to happen more times in hockey than it does in other sports. I don't have data to prove that, but it seems like it does. So even if the Capitals can somehow sneak in as the eights, you never know. You never, ever know. And we've seen countless examples, including last year. You never know. So great to see the great eight back um, scoring goals on the reg, as they say, number 837 and 838 last night. And again, 57 goals away from the great one and chasing 895 brought to you by M Street Bank. All right, we'll take a time out here at the top of the hour. Coming up next, uh, we are going to, um, 
play you an interview while I go over and try and get one of the assistant coaches to join us. Uh, Cortland Bragg is a three-time Emmy Award winner, director and producer at NFL Films. Uh, he was involved in the Reggie White 30 for 30. Uh, that is available now on ESPN Plus, uh, and also has got a new podcast out called Through the Flames, Reggie's Church. What happened to Reggie White's church that he ran and owned in Knoxville, Tennessee, that was burned down so many years ago? The answer coming up next, right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, everybody, back on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Joining us now is Cortland Bragg, three-time Emmy award-winning uh, award-winning director, if I could say that in English, and producer at NFL Films. Uh, he's got a new podcast out, which is an extension of a 30 for 30 on Reggie White, the great Reggie White. It's called Through the Flames, Reggie's Church. It's available now wherever you download podcasts, and he joins us on the BetQL guest hotline. Uh, Cortland, first of all, thank you very much, uh, for your time. Um, appreciate it. I, I I guess I wanted to start with this. For those that haven't seen the 30 for 30, for those that are, are interested in the history of the NFL and a great player and s- some race relations and some controversy and, and all sorts of things, who was Reggie White the person beyond the football field as you've come to know him through all of your work? Reggie White was a man who was on fire to do the right thing. And although he was a complex man, he always tried to um, at least have a growth mindset. And he was a man who was a loving father, husband, um, loved his community, loved trying to help people. But towards the end of his life, he was one who wanted, he loved to find the truth. And in his quest for truth, he found, you know, he, he looked at, things a lot differently than when he was, than he was brought up to believe in. And um, fortunately he suddenly passed away when he was 43 years old. But um, to me, Reggie Wright was a man that left a legacy and helped a lot of people. You know, I, I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 50. So I watched, you know, all of Reggie's career. And obviously you mentioned his sudden death and I remember him going to green Bay and how shocking that was. Um, yeah. And you described, you know, some of of what he was about. Everybody knew he believed in his faith. Um, This podcast, um, after, again, as an extension to the 30 for 30, it it features and focuses on the burning of his church down in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, which, of course, is an awful tragedy um, and, and and. you know, I know there's very complicated things involved there, but but there's a, a a lot more than just a simple event, right? That that led to this, and then the fallout from this that you guys discuss in the in the podcast, correct? Yes, um, you know, almost thirty years later, we still um, still no one has ever been arrested, uh, no one's ever been brought in for questioning, um, no one's ever been convicted, so. Just being just being able to, to examine and just go back to Knoxville and talk to the residents, um, being able to have the opportunity to interview the ATF agents on the case and that were close to the case, um, being able to interview Reggie's family that we were able to talk about in the film. We were able to examine a lot, but also in that examination brought forth many, many questions to this day on um, what really happened that night. 
what what do you think happened based on what you've heard and the people that you've talked to? Um, I think that someone targeted this church um, and, and someone I don't know. I, I don't we don't know. No one knows who did it that night. Um, but someone targeted a thriving church, a church where blacks and whites worship together in the South, which was very rare. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't know. I, I don't know who did it, but whoever did it had they had a plan to really draw division and they wanted to tear down something that was a beacon of hope for a lot of people in the city of Knoxville. And it's unfortunate that to this day, we don't, no one has ever been brought to justice and we can't, we don't know who did this. Yeah. In your work, obviously, and and you just mentioned it, nobody's been brought to justice. I, I mean, to me, that's surprising, right? You're talking about a long period of time. I know there are unsolved mysteries, if you will, not to take another TV show where stuff like this happens, but to have a high profile situation like this with, you know, I guess some NFL ties, but not, not directly. Yeah. Does it surprise you that again, with all the technology, with all the resources that we have in the world that, that we we don't have anything on this. It it shocks me. It shocks me to my core. Um, Just to know the level of, of government involvement that, and, and resources that poured in to, to solve this crime. Mm-hmm. The FBI, the ATF, our government's finest were part of this case. And this case went all the way up to President Bill Clinton um, and the Department of Justice. You know, mm-hmm. this was such a high profile case that was on every TV screen at the time. It brought forth to light places of worship that were burning uh, or being arsoned and, and targeted. And just to think 30 years later, not one conviction, no one's ever been arrested. It right. it sucks. You know, it sucks because I think as, you know, Americans, um, you know, we believe in the justice system or maybe you do, maybe you don't. But you, you want to believe that crime happens, especially something as ugly that happened, that someone would be, res- help, be held responsible. And to see the aftermath of how inner city church the burning of, of 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 the place that it was never rebuilt and and so many people lost hope mm-hmm. and had to start over and still to this day um it's still a mystery so for me you know Chris I had a person very much personal tie not only being a co-director of the film but someone who grew up in a church and someone who you know my father's a pastor so I put myself in the shoes of of, you know, Jeremy White, Reggie's son, and, and trying, you know, thinking like, man, what would my dad do? Would my dad do try to help and do what Reggie did? And I, the answer is yes. So it, it was personal to me. So I was hoping that I could find some type of clarity, some type of, and we did find answers and there are silver linings to this story. But ultimately, it's just like, who did this? You know, right. still a question that we have. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away. Obviously, we want people to go check out, you know, uh, of course, you know, the podcast and, and, you know, where 
you go deeper into the investigation of the burning, you know, it's called Through the Flames, Reggie's Church, again, available wherever you can download the podcast. If you haven't seen the ESPN 30 for 30 series, the Minister of Defense, it's available still on and still streaming on ESPN plus Cortland Bragg with us, uh, who uh, directed and, and, and produced this film does work with ESPN, NFL films, all the whole deal. I, I guess I wanted to ask you uh, well, two things. You mentioned Reggie's son, Jeremy, I, I, right? How much, right, yes. yeah, how much how much help, how much involvement, how much um, interest still? Uh, I, I mean, their father's legacy is as, is mostly as a football player. But again, he was so much more 30 years later and, and so many years after his death. Did you get from them and 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 where are they at, I guess, mentally and emotionally? Yeah, so the family was was huge. And um just giving us their trust and allowing us to interview them uh, more so for the film, uh, Sarah and Jeremy. Jeremy was protagonist, uh, main character of the, the film. Uh, we The film, we tried to tell the story of Reggie White through Jeremy's eyes, uh, taking him to places that his father was uh, prevalent in and Sarah was super awesome. Um, and, and just giving us our uh, her blessing to tell the story, but also just working alongside with us on the story. Uh, so they most more so were um, helped us out on the film. Um, where they are now, uh, they um, you know still continuously continuing the legacy of their husband and father, and um, residing in the North Carolina area uh, to this day, and um, just awesome people. Yeah. Um, so there was, and and you know I'm sure again I don't want to give away too much. There was mention at least of possible going back to the church arson as 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 a theory how how much were you able to find out on that rule that out explore that um and and i would assume again if if that was a thing and i don't i i don't know where that is that that would be you know you talk about this unresolved um uh investigation that 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 would be something that would be easier to prove than maybe who done it yeah, and it's something that, you know, um, uh, listeners definitely should listen to the podcast because we, we go into that investigation okay. and we yeah. connect with people in the community and, and church members um, that attended the, the church and who knew the church leadership very well. Um, so we, we try to, you know, as a storyteller, you don't want to have bias. You don't want to lean towards one side over the other. So you want to pre- present the facts and allow the listener or the viewer to kind of make their own judgment. And that's something that, you know, Chris is interested. I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. I tell films. NFL. So for me, this was such an interesting experience for me because I had to be a, a journalist. And right. although I took journalism classes in college, this was a little bit um, outside my comfort zone. So having to put on that investigative journalism hat was a very interesting. And I had to you know, I'm knocking on doors. You know, I've never done that in my life. Knocking on door, I don't know who's going to open the door, and I have a job to do. I need to get to the truth. Sure. So, um, so it's something that we definitely delve into in the podcast. Uh, so. I I know you you got to run. I appreciate your time, but one more. You mentioned the investigative hat, the journalist hat. Was that a rewarding experience considering what you normally do, you know, 30 for 30, uh, you know, hard knocks, all the great stuff that we love about NFL films and ESPN and all that stuff that we enjoy that takes us behind the scenes. This, again, as you mentioned, a different challenge. Did you enjoy that element of it ultimately? 
it, you know, ultimately being a little bit, a couple months from conducting interviews, I, I learned that I grew a lot and I learned to, sometimes you got to push. It's okay to push a little bit more. Whereas I've been just in my career, sometimes you take, you, you may ask once or twice when you get a no for an interview, someone who says, no, nah, I'm not going to do an interview. But I've learned that it's okay to push a little bit mm-hmm. more, push against the, push a little bit more to get what you want. But also knowing that, all right, you can't push too hard. So this definitely, I think it was a rewarding in the growth um, standpoint. Cortland Bragg, Emmy Award winning producer, director, NFL Films, ESPN, Through the Flames, Reggie's Church. It's a follow up, of course, to the 30 for 30. Make sure you check it out. Available now wherever you download podcasts. Cortland, thank you so much. It's a it's a fascinating. I can't wait to listen to the podcast. It's it's kind of a fascinating uh, journey on, on a man who left us way too early and who also made an imprint on and off the field as many athletes do, but Reggie seemed to be larger than life in that regard. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That was Cortland Bragg with Chris. When we get back, Chris will be back from meeting with some of the new coaching hires live out at Ashburn. Oh, a little wagon wheel for you. I feel like I was on a wagon wheel. Whew, back from the bubble. And your boy did three interviews. <laughs> three interviews uh, with Redskins, uh, with Redskins, with commanders coaches uh, who were just literally sitting at tables around the bubble on the field uh, and all lined up. And they gave us this seating chart. Uh, just because, you know, many of the guys, our first time meeting them. Uh, so as soon as uh, Maddie has everything that uh, we just recorded, uh, it, we will be able to turn those around and get those to you. Uh, caught up with new special teams coordinator Larry Izzo, uh, who, again, played his high school ball here in the Ashburn area. So there's a little bit of a return home, granted about 30-plus years Uh, In between, and we didn't get to ask him every question that I would have liked to have asked him. Uh, But you will hear uh, from Larry Izzo, the new special teams coordinator. As well, I caught up with, uh, you know, for just a very quick, short uh, conversation, Ken Norton Jr., the new linebackers coach, who, of course, was with Dan Quinn in Seattle and has bounced around all over the place uh, since then. And uh, got to uh, re-catch up with my guy Ryan Kerrigan, who's now the pass rush specialist and assistant linebackers coach after working with uh, Jeff Scanina and the defensive line the last uh, couple of years here in Washington under Ron Rivera's staff. So we'll try and get uh, as many of those as we can. If we can't get them today, we'll, of course, get them uh, coming up on Monday when I return after the weekend off because I'm heading up uh, to uh, Canton, Ohio, for my son's uh, surgery, surgery Excuse me on Friday morning. So I won't be here Thursday and Friday. Linnell Willingham uh, will be here and taking you through over the next couple of days along with Matt. So we will uh, at least be able, I think, to be able to turn around Larry Izzo for sure uh, during the show, right? That's that's correct, Matty. You, you, you've got that, right? 
All right, just want to make sure. You want to play that now, and this way we might be able to get two in here before the show? Why don't we do that? Why don't we, uh, what, I, again, literally just caught up with Larry Izzo. Back now, special teams coordinator, in case you haven't, you know, familiar. He won Super Bowls in uh, New England, worked with Bill Belichick. I didn't have a chance to ask him everything, like I said, uh, because there was other people waiting, and we were trying to uh, get around the table and get around the room as quickly as we could. But we tried to ask him the most important stuff. Uh, as it pertains to this opportunity and coming here to Washington, including what he's inheriting, which is an interesting group of specialists, to say the least, with Joey Sly as a free agent, Tress Way, and then, of course, everything that happened at Long Snapper uh, last year. So why don't we hear from the new Washington Commanders Special Teams Coordinator, Larry Izzo, right here on the T980 and the Odyssey app. All right, here at Commander's Park with the new special teams coordinator, Larry Izzo, who actually, what, played your high school ball, right, here in Ashburn? Is it? Yeah, two, uh, two years, in ninth and tenth grade, I went to Broad Run High School a uh, long time ago, about 34 years ago. Things have changed quite a bit since uh, the last time I was here. So it's great to be back, though. What is it, I mean, that was, again, part of the formative part of your career but or, or of your life, but what is it like to now come back full circle, different team name, different organization, different, and you're a big part of this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, super excited to be here. Uh, like I I was here in 87 when the Redskins won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, just being in this area again, uh, knowing the passion that our fans have here, and uh, I feel like we're it's, it's a little bit of a sleeping giant in, turn, in terms of our fan base. You know, they've you know, haven't had uh, as much success as what, uh, you know, they're typically used to of the, the tradition of this franchise. And so uh, definitely excited to be back here and be a part of uh, everything. You had great success, obviously, coordinating your show on special teams. Yeah, I don't do a lot of the DVOA stuff, but all the rankings were top 10 and, you know, even better than that. And some, What made your connection and your group in Seattle so special in your eyes as you look back on it? Uh, we had just great buy-in. Uh, everybody kind of understood their roles and um, took pride in their roles and uh, and and played the style of play that we want to uh, want to see here. You know, they played fast and they played physical, and that's what we're uh, we're going to be coaching that up here. And that's our expectations and our standards. But I thought for the most part, uh, the guys back in Seattle were very consistent week in, week out doing their job and that comes from you know the pride that they took in in their roles on the team you know um, so it's weird because a lot of media members ignore special teams some of my best friends in the coaching business uh, Danny Smith with Pittsburgh uh, Ben Cutwika with Denver um, uh, Richard Hightower with Chicago are, are special teams guys I love special teams so why are special teams the lifeblood of the NFL that kind of people just ignore and kind of overlook whether it's fans media what I know you don't but why is it the lifeblood of, of the NFL and a good NFL organization well you're asking why do do fans ignore that well, or well like, I'm saying why is it so important for well, I I believe that special teams is uh, you know it's our job is to to control field position and um, our job is to play good complementary football with the offense and the defense and the, the stronger that we are as a unit mm -hmm. Uh, the, the better our team is going to be, the better chances that we're going to have to win football games. And so for us to be the type of unit that we want to be, uh, we got to be strong because we're, we're the glue that holds it all together. So if your offense 
is great and your defense is, is great, but you struggle with the kicking game, you know, it's going to be hard to win games in this league. So we want to be a strength for our team uh, and obviously, you know, do our job, which is to go out there and control field position and play good complementary football with the offense and defense. You mentioned the kicking game. Joey Sly is a free agent. He's been good here. Uh, Tress Way, you inherit one of the better punters in the NFL. I mean, obviously, they had a bunch of issues at long. I don't know where you are in the tape and evaluation process, but as you come here, those three main specialist positions, what do you think you have early on? Well, it's so early in the process here. We're just getting started evaluating our, the, our, our guys, the roster, the units as a whole. Uh, so we haven't gotten... Uh, too deep into uh, you know individual players at this point. Obviously, Joey's a free agent, um, but uh, I'm excited about you know getting getting further in the process here and, and really diving into uh, the guys that we have here on, on, the, on the roster. And last one for you, Larry Izzo, with our special teams coordinator. I mean, obviously, what happened with Pete was kind of unexpected in Seattle. Guys ultimately falling short. That always changes things for not only the head coach and the organization, but assistant coaches. What made Dan Quinn and this opportunity, but specifically Dan Quinn, I guess so enticing and so appealing for you? Well, I mean, obviously, I've, I've known uh, from a distance, you know, what Dan is all about. I've got a lot of uh, close friends that have worked with him and uh, actually had some close friends that played under him. And so just, you know, knowing the kind of guy he is and, his, and, and the coach that he is in terms of his play style and what he expects out of his players, I felt like this is a natural fit. And uh, on top of that, just from a professional standpoint, he's an awesome human being. He's, a, he's an amazing, amazing guy. So just uh, to have an opportunity to come here and, and work with him in with this uh, historic franchise, um, with such great tradition, um, is an opportunity that I, I couldn't pass up. Larry, welcome back to Washington. Appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, that is new commander special teams coordinator Larry Izzo just moments ago over in the bubble as we raced over there. So I appreciate you guys being patient uh, with us coming up. Uh, and, of course, if you missed any of that, you can hit the Odyssey Rewind feature right to about 322 or so. Matt will have it isolated in podcast for you coming up later on on the Odyssey app or at the team980.com. Just go to the podcast section. Coming up uh, after the trending alert and after the break, we will hear from both linebackers coaches ken norton jr and then i got ryan kerrigan who remembered the old rooster from covering his entire career you'll see what we mean by that ryan kerrigan uh coming back uh to the washington commanders for his third year of coaching and as well ken norton jr coming across uh from uh where he was at at uh ucla uh, in the college ranks and, of course, work with Dan Quinn. So we'll have all of that for you still to come and dum-dum of the day. And it's going to be an endless, well, endless in a good way, last half an hour of the show. On this Wednesday afternoon from Command Land in Ashburn, time for a trending alert right here, right now. All right, so lots of talk about what the Chicago Bears are going to do at number one and, therefore, what they're going to do with quarterback Justin Fields, who, of course, as you know, as most young people do now, uh, scratched the Bears from social media the other night. And when appearing on the St. Brown Brothers podcast, of course, you know them, uh, from uh, the uh, NFL, uh, Justin Fields had 
uh, something to say about the social media part of it, saying, I still mess with the Bears, this and that. I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollowed the Bears and the NFL. I'm just not trying to have football on my timeline. He says, whatever the Bears decide to do, it's a business, but he just wants it to be over. As the Bears get ready to make that decision and what to do with Justin Fields, and then, of course, what to do with the number one overall pick. And from Major League Baseball, Eric Hosmer, all-star, world champion with the Kansas City Royals, went to the San Diego Padres, which started their rebirth, and them spending money, a four-time Gold Glove winner, has announced his retirement from baseball uh, after the are at the age i should say of 34 and after a long and very nice career for Hosmer the left-handed hitting first baseman and that's what's trending All right, welcome back, everybody. Good to have you with us. We continue along from here at Commander's Park in Ashburn, Virginia, where we just caught up with some of the assistant coaches. In case you just missed, new special teams coordinator Larry Izzo uh, just joined us. If you missed it, hit the Odyssey Rewind feature on the Team 980, run to about 322 or so. Uh, Matt will have it podcast for you at the Team980.com or on said Odyssey app in just a wee little bit. Just give him some time to turn that around because he is a very busy bee because we also caught up with new linebackers coach Ken Norton Jr. as we welcome him to Washington with a short conversation but just a little taste of what's to come and whether he values the linebacker spot unlike previous regimes perhaps. Ken Norton Jr., the new commander's linebackers coach, joining us right here on the Team 980. Um. All right, so with new linebackers coach Ken Norton Jr., welcome to Washington, obviously. I, I know you've been around the NFL so much, and you work yeah. with Dan you know, in Seattle, and you've been everywhere. What does this opportunity represent for you, especially getting back in the NFL? Uh, just really excited to get together with a, a great group of coaches that we have here. Washington has been uh, a team that I've watched over many years be really special, and uh, I'm just excited to uh, come together and make this a, a special experience. I know you guys are you're just getting here within the last week or so. What kind of um, what kind of roster are you inheriting? Have you been able to dig deep already, or are you just kind of skimming the surface? I have not been able to dig deep at all. Uh, still in that process of early evaluation, so it's, it's, too, it's too early for that right now for me. You worked with Dan obviously in Seattle. What makes him so special as a leader, as a head, as a coach, as a defensive mind? Uh, he just understands how to bring really good coaches together, guys that really have a really strong uh, uh, personality and strong identity and purpose of what they want to do. So he's been special at that. He's also, you know, full of great energy. He's, he, he's, never, he's never tired. He's always a guy that's up, excited, and uh, uh, wants to really spread that energy. One last one for you. Some teams, and maybe the previous regime, kind of seem to, I guess, devalue the linebacker position a lot. You're a linebacker's coach. Right. You're a guy who made, <laughs> you, you know, your head. I assume you don't devalue the linebacker position in today's NFL. Not at all. That's, that's, that's dear to my heart, this position. And uh, you, you'll feel us. There's no question about it. The, the linebackers, anytime you have a really good defense, the linebackers are guys that are, uh, that are special on that defense. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate Thank it. You. Welcome to Washington. 
All right, so that is Ken Norton Jr. Just a couple of quick minutes uh, with him. Had to bounce around uh, the aisle because we were also trying to get uh, as many different voices and as many of these different coaches in the limited time window that we had. So what we also did right after that was catch up with Ryan Kerrigan. You know him as the uh, all-time leading sacker for the Redskins class commanders franchise history as well i covered him from the minute he walked in the door as the 2011 first round pick number 16 overall so covered his entire playing career here obviously wound up for a year in philadelphia before retiring and then joining ron rivera's staff uh, as at the time basically like a coaching assistant but he quickly became you know, the assistant defensive line coach when they fired Sam Mills the third and promoted Jeff Scanina, and that was two years ago. And Kerrigan kind of took that assistant position, worked with Scanina for the last two years, and now on Dan Quinn's staff isn't going to be with the defensive line, but is going to be Ken Norton Jr.'s assistant at the linebacker spot where he played much of his career in the three four uh that was here. And also a pass rush specialist, which, of course, he did uh, very well. So we had a chance to catch up with Ryan Kerrigan now entering his third year on the commander's coaching staff after a story career here in Washington as a player. Uh, and again, a guy that I was fortunate enough uh, to cover from the day he walked in. So why don't you hear Ryan Kerrigan with us just moments ago in the bubble here at Commander's Park. All right, here with Coach Ryan Kerrigan, we had... I don't think I've ever interviewed you as a coach. First of all, welcome back officially, and congratulations on everything you've done since the end of your playing career. Hey, thank you very much. It's uh, inter- you know, it's funny. I remember you know interviewing with you way back when in 2011 over the in the hotel when we were doing our little covert operation off, off OTA workouts during. Uh, during the lockout back in 2011, so it's good to see you. Uh, it's great to see you. I mean, here you are almost 100 sacks later and two years in coaching. I mean, it's wild how long I've been around, and, and it's crazy that you remember that, so I appreciate that. Um, for you, this op- I mean, obviously you were part of the coaching staff, you know, kind of learning on the defensive line. Now you're working with the linebackers, pass rush specialists. What is, you know, what does this change with Dan Quinn and everything new here represent for you? It re- represent, represents an exciting opportunity. You know, I'm, I've... Uh, you know, I'm really excited to get to learn from not only Coach Quinn, but you know Ken Norton, who's been a been a coordinator, you know, multiple times in this in his career. Uh, so I feel really blessed in that regard. But you know, mostly I'm just excited to continue to work with the guys and you know and hopefully you know get them get them you know get the most out of them from a playing perspective. And is it good to kind of expand your repertoire again? You know, you you played in different schemes, different roles here in your playing career. But now to coach in different roles, uh, I'm very excited about that. You know, I don't get me wrong. I love love D line, love working with the D line. But you know, I played played linebacker for nine years in my throughout my career, and so I, I very very much love the, the linebacker room and linebacker role. And so I'm very excited to, to work with them. Um, one last one for you. Um, what have you learned about yourself since you got involved in coaching that maybe you didn't know about yourself as a player? myself how much you love 100 hour weeks you know <laughs> you, you, you know I wouldn't say I've I necessarily learned something but it was kind of affirmation uh, you know I toward the end of my playing career I I 
I was I became more open to the idea of coaching because I you realize when when the window's starting to shut how much you really love something and uh, early in my in my playing career you know you hear kind of the the, the, hour, the stories about you know, the coaching hours and how you know long and grueling they can be but as I got toward the end of my playing career I'm like you know I, I love football and I want to you want know, to stay in football and um, you know so in spite of experiencing those long hours experiencing you know being you know away from your kids for a couple of days you realize how much you love the game because you because you willingly going back to do to do it to do those things and so I just it was more not so much learn something but it was this affirmation for how much I love football and how much you know I still feel like I have to give to the game even though I can't give it physically anymore so yeah I, I'm I love football and um that's this, this, these past couple of years as a coach have been affirmation of that for me. RK, good to have you back. Thank you. All right, so that is the all-time sack leader for the Washington Redskins Commanders organization, Ryan Kerrigan, the new pass rush specialist, assistant linebackers coach. After being a part of Ron Rivera's uh, staff for the last two years, working with the defensive line, which obviously he did. Uh, as part of his playing career, but again, very much worked as an outside linebacker in the 3-4 from the time he was drafted by Mike and uh, Mike Shanahan and Jim Hazlitt here in 2011. Again, 16 overall. The Commanders and the Redskins had to trade down um, in order to make that work and draft Kerrigan out of Purdue where he was a 4-3 end in college, and they made him a 3-4 outside uh, linebacker, and I would say it worked, and that draft pick worked uh, when ultimately, again, he went on to a very nice uh, career and finished with 95 and a half career sacks. Uh, better than uh, Dexter Manley's 91. I mean, obviously, Dexter was awesome, uh, so we're not trying to say Kerrigan better than Dexter, but you get the point. Statistically, uh, uh, slightly better than Dexter Manley, and I'm so glad that Kerrigan got that opportunity uh, here in the Burgundy and Gold before he left and finished up with Philadelphia. And then he really didn't do much in Philadelphia during the regular season, but he had two sacks for the Eagles uh, in that playoff loss to Tampa, down in Tampa a couple of years ago, if you guys remember that game. It was a one-sided game, but Kerrigan played just tremendous in that game and yet then retired. Uh, and you heard him kind of say when you realize you just don't you know, have what it takes – uh, anymore, and your body can't hold up, that's when you start thinking about coaching. And that's what he's done. 156 games he played in the NFL uh, here with the Washington franchise, let's put it that way. 95 and a half career sacks, three interceptions, and who will forget, uh, he had the three interceptions and all of them were returned for pick sixes. And who will forget in his NFL debut on September the 11th, 2011, the 10-year anniversary of 9-11. The Giants, Eli Manning, the Washington then Redskins, year two of Mike Shanahan, year one of Ryan Kerrigan. They had invested on the defense, which they don't always do around here, and yet everybody blames the defensive coordinators. They had invested on the defense. They had Brian Arakpo. They had London Fletcher. They spent money on... Um, uh, on, on Barry Cofield and Stephen Bowen, on Josh Wilson. And the defense got off to a great start. They shut down Eli Manning and the Giants, and Kerrigan batted a ball up into the air, caught it off the deflection, and ran it in in his first NFL game for a pick six. 
one of three on his career. And again, finished with 95 and a half sacks. So I appreciate him joining us as well. Ken Norton Jr. for just a couple of minutes. Uh, before that, we had to make way for others so that everybody had an opportunity. We were trying to get as many of these guys on in quite honestly about a 15 minute window, uh, as we can over in the bubble, uh, over on the other side of the facility. So thank you to Larry Izzo. Special Teams Coordinator Ryan Kerrigan and Ken Norton Jr. Uh, for all giving us some insight and some time. And you heard some of the, obviously, preliminary thoughts. Um, Izzo mentioning, of course, he recognizes that Joey Sly is a free agent. Uh, and, you know, what he is taking on here and why they all, you know, pretty much wanted to work with Dan Quinn. Um, so that's obviously part of the thought process in getting to talk to these guys. There were plenty of others that I wish we could have uh, been able to catch up with, but uh, we will, uh, we, you know, we did our best uh, to get you those three guys and we appreciate their time. All right, coming up, dum-dum of the day, our final segment of the week, because I'm out Thursday and Friday, the L train, Linnell Willingham will be in for me along with Maddie. And this has endless love written all over it. That's next on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, wrapping up things here at Commander's Park and for the week. Again, Linnell Willingham will be in Thursday and Friday. Doc Walker coming up next in for Craig Hoffman. So make sure you stay with the DOC from 4 until 7 this afternoon. Before we get to Dum Dum of the Day, a couple of things. One, Matty's already got, because he's awesome, he's already got the interviews isolated. Larry Izzo, new special teams coordinator, Ryan Kerrigan, assistant linebackers coach, uh, and as well pass rush specialist and all-time leading sacker in Redskins Commander's franchise history, and Ken Norton Jr., all three of those, we caught up with them uh, during a quick uh, 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 a quick run through the bubble uh, earlier this hour and played them back for you in case you missed any of it. Matt's already got you covered. Uh, again, all podcasted, all isolated, all clearly labeled, easy for you to get to, download, listen to. Uh, it, trust me, it all counts, and we'd love for you to hear it. They're quick. They're not long. Uh, you know, five minutes with Izzo, uh, three minutes with Kerrigan, two minutes with Ken Norton Jr. So it won't take much of your time. Go check them out uh, on the Odyssey app. Uh, just go to, uh, uh, of course, Chris Russell Show and uh, all that. It's easy to find. Uh, and, again, Matt's got it all isolated for you or at the team 980com before we do Dum Dumb of the Day, I do want to pass this along. Uh, news came out last night uh, that Mike Sellers, who was just on with us at the end of August last year, uh, who I saw for the first time in maybe, I don't know, seven or eight years since we went drinking together in Tampa uh, during a Redskins road trip in 2014. Uh, Mike Sellers has been um, in the hospital down in Tampa receiving continuous treatment for a heart condition uh, in which he's received nine treatments over the last six months for this heart condition, according to his family's uh, GoFundMe account. So uh, all of the reporters saw this and tweeted it and whatever. Uh, so it's available on many of our social media accounts. Uh, I know I've retweeted it, uh, other reporters and, and the link and whatever, several times. So it's easy to find. Just, again, scroll down. I'll put it out there again. I talked to Mike uh, real quickly via text this morning on my way in, uh, and he answered right away. And uh, I, I don't want to make anything up that I don't know, but, I, I mean, it was a good sign, obviously, that he responded right away. And I know he's very, 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 very appreciative 
uh, of all the love and support uh, and the good wishes and whatever you might be able to donate, uh, again, to his family's GoFundMe account. Uh, you might be wondering, you know, like, why a GoFundMe? I, that I don't have the answer to. I know it's legit, uh, and I know he appreciates it, and his family appreciates it. I think his wife has had to kind of take a sabbatical uh, from work and all that. I mean, listen, just because you play in the NFL doesn't mean you have money from, you know, forever and ever and ever. Um, so, you know, just, he was working as a football coach down in, um, uh, down at IMG Academy. Uh, we had him on, uh, again, mid, late August, somewhere in that range. Um, and, you know, that was before all this started. And I did a bad job. I didn't keep in touch with him during the season. I was so busy. And then I come to find out this news. So wishing the best for Big Mike. Uh, really good dude. Uh, still as jacked as ever. Uh, when he was here and uh, again uh, just want to wish him well and go uh, contribute to the GoFundMe account or at least you know send good wishes however you can uh, to Mike Sellers one of the good dudes uh, that we had around here all right time to wrap it up with hopefully a little bit of a laugh hopefully a little bit of a laugh it's called dumb dumb of the day and this one has well forever lasting love written all over it it's time for Dum Dum of the Day. All right. Well, I like to eat. Who doesn't like to eat? I love a good buffet. Who doesn't love a good buffet? Or an endless type meal that's served right to you where you don't even have to get up. You know, endless shrimp is a popular thing, right? Endless, I don't know if this was Red Lobster or not. I'm not sure if this was just another restaurant, but Dateline, Oklahoma City. A woman has now been identified after getting into an altercation along with her husband at a restaurant in Oklahoma City over what and with whom? Well, the with whom is the restaurant staff. Over what? Endless shrimp she began smashing plates in the restaurant and became verbally aggressive and abusive after the restaurant staff told her the policy doesn't really promise endless shrimp in the way that she was taking it which meant customers could take home endless shrimp in other words she wanted to take home all sorts of shrimp that was cooked at the restaurant because it was an endless shrimp promotion. What? Yes. One employee tried to call 911. The man that was with her actually wasn't her husband. We don't know that. It was a, a companion, but it was a man. Hit the phone out of the employee's hands. The two left without paying their bill. The suspects had already left the restaurant by the time police arrived, but now they have identified her and they have a picture of her and a cash reward may be available, according to uh, K4.com, KFOR.com. I forget who sent this to us, uh, but whoever did, maybe it was Jeff, I can't remember. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. The cape, uh, the, the, the case of endless shrimp truly being endless tested to the nth degree right here on dumb dumb of the day and boy lady you have got to be kidding me could you imagine like going to red lobster or golden corral or wherever and being pissed off that you can't take endless tubs of shrimp 
home with you in a doggy bag. I mean, that woman has to be living under a rock because that's just right? not how it's done. I mean, where, yeah, like, was she just dropped off on a UFO like the other day? I mean, everybody knows when you go to a buffet, there is no doggy bag. You don't take leftovers home like you do at a regular restaurant. Everybody knows when you go to Endless Pasta at Olive Garden or Endless Shrimp at Red Lobster or Endless Whatever that you don't take bags and boxes of shrimp and pasta and all that stuff home. If you want to take something home, they have it to go. you got to pay extra. Lady, please. And then to smash plates and curse out people? Come on. Let's get it together. Plus, it's shrimp. Shrimp is not that expensive. It's not cheap, but it's not that expensive. I'll cook you endless shrimp if you want, honey. All right. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to Matt Essig, who did a great job as always. Thanks to Ryan Kerrigan. Thanks to Ken Norton Jr. And thanks to new special teams coordinator Larry Izzo. As well, Cortland Bragg, Emmy Award winning producer and director on the Reggie White story and Reggie's Church. Thanks to all of you who called and listened. Have a great rest of the week. I'll be out Thursday and Friday. See you here on Monday. Make sure you listen to Linnell Willingham in for me and Doc up next. Adios. I'm not a physician. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 